What's up meeples, on today's show we talk about customising your tabletop games. We talk about why you might want to do it, how you could go about doing it, along with all your weekly news and Kickstarter campaigns and event information, this is the podcast we call the gaming community. What's up guys, my name is Jason. And my name's Ian. And we are two game club organisers shooting the breeze about tabletop gaming. So pop the kettle on, grab a brew, and let's get on with this week's episode. And for this week's episode, we're going to start off as we like to do, talking about the games that have turned up on our welcome mats, followed by the games we've played this week, and then we'll be moving on to our main topical discussion, which this week will be customising your games. So, starting off with the games of Greystar Welcome Mats and Tortured Isle Bank Accounts. Ian, what have you been spending money on this week? I've only ordered one thing, and that was the Kang the Conqueror uh, expansion for Marvel Champions. However, um, I'm looking at you, Aaron. I have may have bought quite a few Pokemon cards in the last few weeks, <laughs> which has been quite nice. Sort of, I, I love opening booster packs of trading cards, so it's been quite a good fun thing for me as a relaxation sort of thing. Just doesn't help that most of the cards that come in it are pretty rubbish for your decks, really. I don't know, I've got a few good ones in there. Any that stand out? I got an Elder Gloss V, which is quite nice. A few other um, shiny cards I was looking for, but not the £500 ones that both me and Aaron were trying to chase from the most recent thing I bought. <laughs> it, sometimes it's fun for the gamble and those sort of things, and I'd have been bu- buying some of this product anyway. It's for the Champion's Path expansion, but there is a shiny Charizard or a Rainbow Rare Charizard V, both going for about 450 to £500 each at the moment. There you go. So if any of you pull, uh, pull either of those, then uh, get them on the old Bay of E. What have I been buying this week? Um, not a lot, unfortunately. Um, there's not been a great deal out there for me to buy. I have bought a couple of things sort of to make my storage solutions a bit better. I, I obviously mentioned a few weeks ago that I have switched my painting my paints over to the Army Painter Paints, and therefore I needed a new storage solution to store all those lovely dropper bottles. Um, I hit upon the idea of actually using a case that's designed for essential oils, and it fits the bottles in absolutely perfectly, and it only cost me a tenner. So I am very, very happy with that. The gamble paid off, so I will be ordering some more of those, I think. Yeah. So I briefly mentioned last week I had my humongous Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles pledge arrive. Slowly been sifting my way through that. I'm hoping to try and get that to the table in the next week or so. Um, So I will try and let you guys know how that actually plays out. I also got half of my Kodama Forest pledge. Only half? Yeah, only half. I have Kodama Forest, Kodama 3D, and Kodama come through the pledge was for one all five games they've made so far plus i paid for three added on extras however some one of their shipping containers has got stuck in customs and the genius has decided just to ship half of it without actually giving us any information on that at all so that just randomly turned up and caused a bit of panic on where's the rest of my um, kickstarter but i'm assured it's all coming and i've had a expansion and the upgrades repair kits for my massive snowdonia game that i've got and I also had turn up a, the final expansion. Well, no, I say final. The latest expansion for Downforce, which we mentioned before. Ah, uh, yes, because yours turned up before mine. Yeah. Is, uh, I still haven't had uh, shipping notification for that. So. Screw you. Yeah, might have to get onto them about that. So, yeah, your uh, your welcome map was pretty full this week then. Yep. Yes. We're now reaching that point with the Kickstarters where everything was all delayed. They're all starting to ship all at once. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of games being played over the next month and a half, I think, yep. two months. Um, and if anything is to be believed, there is set to be a astronomical amount of new Kickstarters hitting Kickstarter throughout the month of October. Oh, no doubt Paul will be covering a lot of those. But yeah, the, uh, the word on the grapevine is there's a lot. A lot of big games are coming. So... What have you been playing this week then, Jason? I'm going to start off with a game I played literally last night. I was invited by the guys over at the Board Stupid Podcast again to come and join them for a game night where we played Root. This is a game I have been wanting to play 
for so long. Really, really fun game. I loved it. We played two games of it. Uh, one was the intro game that they have where you basically, it runs you through the first two levels and then you're free to to do what you want to do after that. Uh, the second game was from, from scratch as you would as an experienced player. Uh, in both the games, I played as the Merc de Quet, uh, faction. Um, and I love that faction, mainly because the start of the game, you're actually in control of the forest, which is, is great. <laughs> I have a whole army of cats, um, lots of kittens on the board. Um, it has four different factions in the base game. They all play entirely differently. And this was the main thing I really found amazing about this game was it was essentially two oh, sorry four different board games all happening at the same time on one board it every character played so differently every faction played so differently the faction i played it played to my strengths it was strength in numbers um so i had lots of very very mass producing kittens shall we say um and i was just overrunning the board um i didn't win but on both occasions i came within one or two turns of winning uh in the very last game we played they went all out to stop me from winning because i had a very clear path to victory and they they picked me at the post literally one turn before i was going to get it i had to it had to get round to me at the start of my turn for me to win that game but uh yeah that is root it's for two to four players ages 10 plus really really good game couldn't recommend it enough i am going to get a copy of this myself eventually and i will get ian to play this because from what i understand it's a game that you want to play yes it is so yeah expect to hear a bit more of root in the future so i'm gonna bore you all to death yet again i am gonna talk about digimon again so you remember way back when i got delivered all the japanese starter sets I finally got round to sleeving them with English translations slipped in all the cards and me and two friends went trying out all three decks and learning how to play and thoroughly enjoyed ourselves with that. I'm really looking forward to the English release. Not too long to wait for that now, is it? There's a pre-sale in November for select stores. I think the nearest one to here is London. If I can get to it, I'm going to try and go to one. Um, if not, the official release is January and February for the first two sets next year. No doubt we'll do a full-blown uh, review for that when that yep. comes out, because that is uh, something that you're very passionate about, and I really enjoyed that game that we played on Tabletop Simulator, so yeah, and I'd love to see the, Eng- the full English release. Yeah, uh, it'd when be it interesting to see what sort of combinations out the cards I can get and how many decks I can build. Yeah, definitely. Uh, a couple of other games that we have both played. These were played at the comic book shop event last week. We both played Cahoots. We did. I love that game. It is a really, really good cooperative game. Quick rundown of how the game works, Ian. So you have up to four players. You have four piles of cards in the middle of the table. They go from numbers one to seven and the colours of orange, green, pink and purple. You select your difficulty setting and you deal three cards out to each player and you have four at a time challenges that all have to be completed. We were playing expert difficulty with four players, meaning we had to get through 18 of those. And they will be things like three piles need to be pink or the sum of all cards needs to be 20. And the rules for playing a card, you have to play something on your turn, otherwise you lose. And if one of you loses, you all lose. You can either play something of the same color onto a pile or something of the same number. And basically, you have to try and do as many of the challenges. You have to get through all of the challenges before you run out of cards. Every time you play a card, you draw a card. That simple. Yep. Very nice and simple. Very easy to play. Uh, It's a great game for families as well. Another game that we played was a game that I purchased a little while ago. If you remember me saying, I purchased Cobra Paw. I introduced Ian into this lovely game. He's not a big fan of dexterity games, but he actually did pretty good at this game. I managed to win one round. It was so much fun. Very violent. (laughs) <laughs> we had pieces flying everywhere by the end of it is good <laughs> indeed it is such a simple game very quick rundown of how that game works you have essentially a load of what are basically dominoes with different symbols on the on the surfaces and two dice the player's turn rolls the dice and then everyone has to go for the matching set on the table uh, set on the table first person to get their hand or a body part is what it's listed in the book onto that wins it that round first person to six wins so very very simple very very fun and one more thing that we've played this week we can't leave this out we had the arrival of star wars squadrons on the pc and i absolutely adore that game 
Um, I managed to burn 10 hours out of its first 22 hours live as well as fitting in college. I don't know how I did it, but no. It was very tired. Yeah, totally didn't stay up till 20 past three in the morning playing it. <laughs> so yeah, that that was a, a hot game. We were, we've been waiting for that one for a fair while now. Um, I have enjoyed it. I've, I'm going to continue playing it to really cement my uh, my thoughts on the game. Um, if it's something you'd like to hear us actually talk about, although it's not a board game, if you would like us to do an episode based on that game and our thoughts on it, let us know because we are more than happy to do so. So those are the games we played this week, the games that we bought and the games that we had delivered. And we're now going to move on to our main topical discussion of this week. A few weeks ago, we did a podcast talking about how you would protect your games. It's something that we are very, very passionate about. But this week, what are we doing? We have decided to make an expansion for the podcast. So we're going to expand on our previous topic and talk about how you can upgrade your games. That's right. And this is definitely something we are incredibly passionate about. We've talked about it here and there, especially when talking about Downforce and your upgrades that you've done to that game. But the real question is why? Why do we do that to our games? Especially when we always harp on about board games especially are really beautiful they're, they've got amazing miniatures and all of that so why on earth would we then try and customize them there are many reasons one of the biggest things is i hate to use this terminology but is eye candy you know one of the first things people do when they come and look over your shoulder at a game is try and understand what's in front of you and a lot of games are designed now um, for retail purposes with this in mind one of the things we'll cover later obviously is painting you know um and because people like to customize things their own way and in their own vision of how they see characters or how they see their favorite art styles and stuff they might they they feel they want to paint their own miniatures and when you have pre-painted miniatures it's very difficult to paint over the top whereas if you get sent neat gray mini you know or bog standard plastic stock miniatures you can customize them how you see fit Indeed you can, and talking about the miniatures is a great jumping off point. It isn't just board games that we're going to be talking about today. We are going to be talking about the whole tabletop genre, and even a little bit of digital thrown in there, because you can did, you, know, you can customise your digital games as well. Exactly. So we'll kick off, following on from the miniatures, let's go to war games. And you mentioned painting. That is going to be your, your key thing, really, for customising miniatures and customizing your game when you're talking about war games. But what other things can you do to customize a war game thing? Well, the first and foremost thing for most things is scenery. Your your tabletop scenery that you're going to be battling on, that's customization. Unless you literally buy a game that comes with all the scenery. There are some out there. The Batman Miniatures game, for example, comes with scenery in the box. But if you want to customize it, who's to say that you don't want to do a a table of your own town or a complete wasteland and have Batman out in the wasteland fighting Joker. I mean, we're right now looking at a customised building you've made of our local comic shop. Indeed, yeah. Um, That is designed to go on my Marvel Crisis Protocol table, which is going to have various local buildings in it to to represent the town that, that we come from and the community that we come from. But yeah, so scenery. Scenery is a massive customization, and you can do so much with scenery. There are hundreds of companies out there that do MDF kits, plastic kits, resin kits, so many different ways. They all obviously come unpainted. Um, there are a couple that come pre-painted, but then, you li- as we said just now with the miniatures, you're limiting your customization there. You know, you can get a brick building for example, who's to say it has to be red brick? You know, if you want purple bricks on your building, you paint those bricks purple. You know, scenery makes a huge difference in playing a game. I've seen this with D&D as well. You know, the the maps, the, the times that you'll be drawn into seeing something is when you walk past people that have made, gone out and made the effort to have not just the heroes that you're playing with or the armies that you're playing with, but the terrain and the battlefield. It makes a huge difference. You know, imagine like, um, I've seen you do it before, walking past a Star Wars map, but someone's made a downed X-Wing in the middle of it. You know, it it gives you things to hide behind. It makes the game more interesting, but it also just solidifies the 
experience and the vision in front of you. you and know, the immersion. That's yeah. the word I was looking for. You know, and it just makes, it, it grips you that little bit more. I've seen one of your local D&D players with a massive boat for one of their campaigns for D&D. And it's just so impressive to walk past. Or some of the Star Wars campaigns that you're involved in. Just all the different maps were like a full scale um, uh, ATST, you know, yeah, on the yeah. map, and it just it just brings the th- whole thing alive. Another thing worth mentioning as well is the armies themselves. You could have two people playing two identical armies, but the painted one will be the one that stands out more, and it, you could make them as garish as you like. I've seen lots of lovely painted X-wing and Armada fleets and stuff, which already come pre-painted for the best part of it. But just that little lick of paint suddenly lifts it, it up. It, yeah, exactly. You could have two identical armies of of X-wings, for example, going at it on on a three by three board. But which are the ones that are going to stand out? The ones that have got a custom paint job on there, even if they're just the blue bits have been changed to red. Yep. They're going to stand out more because everyone is used to seeing the standard white and blue, but because there's there's a hint of red in there, it just makes it go over and over. It's just those little little things that make things better. We can even drag digital gaming into to this argument. How many people play any sort of digital gaming? I'm going to use Squadrons as an example because we've just played it recently, but even any sort of thing like Fortnite or anything like that, how many people do you see playing on the basic skins that come in the game? Yeah. You know, you go straight for something obscure because it's different. So doing that to your own board game is essentially the same thing. Yeah, without a doubt. So painting miniatures is something I think we could cover in a lot more depth in the future. Um, I would actually quite like to get a few people that maybe only paint. You know, that is part of the tabletop hobby at the end of the day. You may not game, but if you paint miniatures, you are part of the tabletop hobby. And some people make a living out of it. Indeed. Maybe we'll even get one of those on to uh, to speak to. Yeah. You know. So, talk, sticking on the miniatures front, and this now covers uh, a, a wide variety of games. It will cover you from your war games to your role play games, and to a degree, your board games as well. Upgrading miniatures. Would you customise a miniature on a game and why? Yes, I would. So would I. I can give a fantastic example here. We haven't done this yet, but it was it's something me and Jason have talked about a lot. If I was to ever get involved with Pro- Crisis Protocol, which we talk about quite a lot, I would want movie stylized um, characters. I'd happily use the character cards for what's there, but I'd much rather have a movie-stylized Spider-Man or Iron Man miniature than the comic book counterparts. So yeah, that will be a fantastic reason to upgrade or even uh, purchase uh, purchase new miniatures for. And there are many ways that you can do this. No doubt we will cover it a bit more later, but you can have 3D printed miniatures. You can even buy retail miniatures that are designed solely for upgrades. Dungeons & Dragons... <laughs> on its own, they they have a monstrous range of miniatures that are designed to basically just upgrade and customise your own gameplay. There's even websites built out there to create your own 3D printed Dungeons & Dragons characters. Hero Forge is famous for this. You can spend hours customising your character and if you're happy with it, you can pay for all different sorts of 3D printed stuff and they'll print it and send it to you. You can get much more customised Really, you go on, you pick the bits they want, and providing it all works together and you like what it is, you press buy and, and, and it's yours, you know. And you have your very own custom character. And the likelihood that anyone else in the world is going to have that exact combination is, is so minimal. So, yeah, if you've got the crafting skills or modelling skills, you could even make your own miniatures. I know a few people that have spent years learning to sculpt and have made their own miniatures out of green stuff or air dry clay and stuff like that and they just look fantastic i personally can't do that i don't have the <laughs> skill to do that but that's that's the perfect way for them yeah to customize their own games yeah while we're on the subject of 3d printing one thing we haven't covered with customizing we've talked about terrain we've talked around the models but box inserts mm, yeah and, and this actually really does tie into the uh the episode before of of how to protect your games you know if you're 3d printing your own box inserts it's going to stop parts from moving about yep and help protect them yes Definitely help to protect them. I've I've recently I, I have recently started working on actually making my own three uh, D insets. I'm currently working on one for my Thunderbirds game. Although there are other alternatives out there, you've got um, the Broken Token uh, box inserts. They're very well known, nice MDF kits, which are easy to put together to to slot into your into your games and just designed to protect your games better or even fit more in 
Yep. You know, it all boils down to that conversation we had before. I can't stand having more <laughs> than one box. But when you've got a custom box insert, I can then fit it all in, or most games I can fit in <laughs> in the box. So another bit of um, modifying games that I am very passionate about and both of us have sort of competed with is um, retail purchases to upgrade games. There are a lot of games out there that come either with cardboard tokens or, you know, or just cards for characters and things when you can upgrade them with actual minis from different varying places. And we found several games where this actually works you know it's not going to work all the time because you've got to luck into the right scale the biggest one we talked about it briefly a couple of weeks ago was downforce i love the disney cars films and when the diecast cars started getting expensive they released miniature ones like little cartoon or you know slightly squished ones and they were they were in blind bags and blind boxes so i started collecting those instead because i could afford those and we cracked out downforce and we noticed the squares in Downforce were the perfect match and the perfect size for my little Disney diecast cars. So now they come everywhere the game does. Yeah. And I have loads to choose from, but as long as you end up with one for each color, it's easy to tell them apart. You don't have to have a particular character, you know, for each color. You literally just pick a color, pick a car that matches that color, and off you truck. But, I mean, you talk about you don't have to have that character card. I mean, there's nothing saying you can't make your own little character card just getting a picture from, from the film of said character and putting a colour with it and boom Bob's your uncle that is a fully customised cars game yeah you know so that's one Uh, another game that we have started to customise with in different versions was the Rising series you know I started with Thanos Rising and I was collecting Funko's uh, mystery minis. I haven't managed to get a full set because it's insanely expensive due to exclusive. Curse you, Funko. But I started, uh, you know, I got a replacement Thanos for the mi- miniature in the middle, which wasn't difficult to beat the one in the box. And then I realized, you know, like all the starting characters, I had a alternate version from the bits I'd bought. So I didn't get them all from Infinity War, but I started getting them from elsewhere, you know, from the other film series they'd done. And I slowly started building up one of each character. So I've got this box of minis that we just crack out when any of those particular characters end up on the board and the game suddenly looks way more impressive when you've got up to nine minis around Thanos and several minis around each player on the table and yet it makes no difference to the game whatsoever exactly you You don't need it the only ones really where it becomes functional is when you're using it as a player token marker so that when you're choosing into the section you're going in you can place a miniature there instead but yeah when you're when you've got nine characters around the table and they're all miniatures it looks um it looks fantastic and it does turn heads again saying what i was saying before about trying to get people into gaming we were at a gaming convention last summer and both us and one other table um, both had Thanos rising out and just as a little joke to one up the other table me and Jason cracked out the um, uh, Funko minis that I had and it was funny to watch people actually take interest in that particular game on our table you know because we had the extra components on it there was no difference between the game on either table but that that is where customising comes in as you said at the at the onslaught of this it's a horrible phrase but ultimately it's eye candy it's pleasing to the eye to have these things sitting on the table some things can be hilarious i've seen people customize games with lego yeah i've seen people do it with playmobil and things like there's a scooby-doo variants of games that have just come out recently and people were using replacing the cardboard character tokens in the game with like um, Playmobil minis and stuff like that it just gives you that one your copy of the game is different and two it's just visually more appealing Again, another thing that um, games companies like to do is make big versions of things. You know, we, I'm going to use the real bog standard one of like a giant Jenga. It's gotten to the point now where even the companies are doing it. Um, yeah, we were talking about it before the podcast. And again, it's a game we've mentioned a few times. It's a game we're both excited for coming from Kickstarter's Bristol 1350. Yep. They have even partnered with a third party to create a entire 3D printed board you know to customize your 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 game so the pictures on the board represent the buildings of bristol in 1350 so they made a 3d printed version so you actually have raised buildings around the track you know and you could even 3d print the dice in the cart so you could pretty much play without you know waiting for the pledge to arrive but we are still i mean in our end now because my brother's got a 3d printer coming and jason already has one about whether we pull the trigger on that one and actually just go for it because it will be impressive to have that board available yeah I, and i think again it's it's all about the eye okay, imagine if you printed that entire board and then painted all of those build painstakingly painted those buildings yeah that's the kind of thing that turns heads and that is why you would customize a game 
it's the same way where you see people bling up their cars or wear expensive jewelry. You don't need to do it. There's no difference. You know, you could drive your car and you could or you could put underlights on it or something depending on you know what floats your boat those underlights don't make any difference on how your car drives from a to b but it might turn heads same way with expensive jewelry there is proper off the shelf bling for all your card games is sleeves sleeves play mats anything to do with counters through the game magic the gathering has plus one plus one tokens and all sorts of lovely bits when you're using modifications to your cards i mean one of one of the modifications or customization things i've seen recently was a dice holder for magic the gathering it literally just sits on the table holding a d20 yeah doesn't do anything other than sit there Pokemon, their elite trainer boxes that come out, they started to give you dice because they realized people weren't using the paper damage counters. So they were giving us D6s. And then they realized people with with the Pokemon having like 300 health, having up to 60 damage per dice wasn't enough. So now they're releasing numbered damage counter dice that go, you know, 1 to 60, 70, sorry, 10 to 60, 70 to um, 180, you know, and, you know, so you've got options to stack up and keep your cards as neat as possible. It's just, you know, it's just either quality of life changes or bling you know I, I japanese sleeves sell well for pokemon and for a lot of games because the artwork on them is stunning and even when it's not your turn you can just sit there drooling at your own cards you know <laughs> play mats as well or your opponents exactly same way with expensive cards i know pokemon and magic are guilty for this of doing alternative arts or special you know or secret rare versions of cards people will pay a lot of money to get play sets of those particular versions a good example for pokemon is trainer cards you can get gold versions of the trainer cards or the regular ones. The regular ones might be 50p each. The gold ones may be 15 quid each. Hell of a lot of difference. There's no difference in playing either two versions of those cards. Yeah. They functionally are exactly the same piece of paper. So there's two more things left to cover. One of them is we've talked a lot about crafting um, crafting with your minis or crafting with your games. You know, building miniatures from scratch, painting them. We haven't actually talked too much about modifying miniatures. This more comes to the tabletop scene than it does for anything else. But I have seen some stunning stuff, especially with X-Wing and Armada, where people have added LEDs and sounds to their ships so that they all light up and turrets move and everything bar the actual ship moves and does stuff and it just again when you rock up with your bog standard off the shelf ship and plonk it next to one of these fully painted fully upgraded um lit up characters it just suddenly it it, it makes a difference you know imagine legion's another one i know people do it for when you've got a Luke Skywalker sitting on your board with a lit up lightsaber, you know, it's not easy. It takes a lot of hard, fine work and it can be an expensive hobby to either, you know, to get other people to do for you. But it does look cool. It does indeed. Um, it's a couple of members of the community that have done that. And every time they break these things out, it, it puts a smile on my face and then sort of think to myself, I have no skill to do that myself. I'm going to put mine in the bin. <laughs> <laughs> So this leads us on to one last last thing to cover, and it does sort of bring us into the digital territory as well with this, is one last customization thing that people often do to board games is create your own. And that's normally like mini expansions or extra characters and things. And we are sort of divided on this. Both me and Jason agree that it's cool. You know, a bit like what I was saying about having movie characters in a comic scene you can come with movie character cards as well with something so that they are brand new, fresh and completely different to the comic counterparts. The issue being is how they're designed and made. And this is where we find the division on adding things to games. We sort of broached on this with Downforce as well. There, you know, you can We could have added our own rules for those particular cars characters. But if we're doing that ourselves, unless it's really thought through and really play tested well, balance becomes an issue. Yeah. And... We have had some fairly negative responses to this and the easier platform to see this on is the digital platform where things like Tabletop Simulator allow for quick, easy modifications that everyone has access to. Yeah, and I think one of the perfect examples here is we we are always recommending Thanos Rising 
as a game for people to play because it's quick, it's easy to pick up, it's a good cooperative game. If you're playing it on Tabletop Simulator, there is a plethora of custom-made characters from Deadpool to Stan Lee to Ghost Rider. There's even an Iron Man to start the game with, which isn't in the base game. And, you know, as cool as it is, and I really love these characters, I, I love them, the fact that someone has made them to put them in the game. However, you read their rules, they are so horrifically broken. <laughs> The actually it makes the game unplayable you know in certain circumstances I'm not saying all of them are like that but for the most part of the ones we found it unbalances the game and it just makes it very difficult to actually enjoy the game it shows how difficult game design actually is um, one of the biggest things we found with Kickstarter as well is you can tell how long and how much time has been put into a game by how balanced every character and every villain and every enemy is throughout the game you know i've seen it a lot in card games recently where they're rushing out sets so quickly there are a lot of broken cards that need to be banned quickly causing chaos looking at you magic the gathering but if people make their own it's fine if they've had the time to put in the work to make sure it's not broken you know we've seen an actual mario kart um, variant of downforce on tts we haven't had the opportunity to try it properly yet but there's no negative reviews against it it looks actually like there's not too much that they've added the game mm. to make that interesting but as i said um, thanos rising characters were either so ridiculously overpowered they just defeated everything quickly or the opposite respect where they made the game so difficult you couldn't do anything yeah and as an example again that same uh, version on tabletop simulator has extra villains in it as well but the villains have one life so the villains are actually made easier and the characters the additional characters are more powerful and there was just no balance balance to it all we played it once and it was not enjoyable i love that game to pieces it's the one and only game i've ever played where i wish i hadn't yeah and we didn't realize that these weren't official to about halfway through the game or what we'd added like there was no mention of how to adapt the rules to the extra villains we dumped in the deck so technically by the rule standard we'd won the game within minutes by getting you know enough of these little piddly villains to win the game but then we carried on going and you know to try and sort of balance it out that we had to kill all the villains and yeah. we got our asses handed to us and it is a shame because the the that version of the game is an incredibly well-coded game and it is still on my my thing but it's a house rule well you can you can code it yeah, sorry you can't code it you can select it on the game without selecting the promo cards which was well you know that is well designed you know so to give them credit they've left it so it's easy to play the official stuff but yeah it's just some tweaking i think they need to do if they want to add their own things in so yeah, that's something that you can do on, on Tabletop Simulator. It's probably the easiest way of doing it because it's just a case of coding the stuff. You can obviously do that in on a physical game as well. There's probably a bit more to it. You're going to need to be printing, you know, designing and printing cards. And again, I think it's you're less likely to find people that are willing to play with custom characters in person. True, but you can also have some fun with it as well. You know, make sure everyone is on board before you start because it's not fair otherwise. Yeah, that's probably the best way to to end this, to be fair. is We definitely support customization of games. If you are going to be doing things that actually change the game, you have to clear it with the other players first. You know, it, it's not fair to assume that other people will be okay with your custom uh, modifications that change gameplay. Um, but if it's just a cosmetic change, then go for it. 100%. If you want to sit down and craft something, go for it. It's another hobby to be yep. crafting. I couldn't recommend it enough. Ian has finally started getting into painting and I'm just going to push this really hard on him now. I'm going to push him to really start and pick up his paint game. Yep. As, as long as I can balance that with everything else in my life at the moment, it is something I've got help from friends. Shout out to you, Kiri, you know, who are trying to teach me how to get all this done. So do you like to customize your games what type of games do you customize do you customize your war games do you customize your board games we would love to hear and if you want to take photos and send them to us we would love to see your customizations might even give us some inspiration to try some new ones ourselves would you also like to see some of our customizations with youtube and with instagram we can put up photos or even do a quick reference on some of the stuff we've done i think we might have to start with jason's comic book shop model as a fantastic start just to show from start to finish that is completely fresh freshly made freshly painted and freshly designed all, all you know all for um, a terrain piece we've got plenty of characters we've done ourselves we've also got stuff that we've had commission painted for us 
Yes, indeed we have. There's plenty of uh, things that we can we can show you. So if you would like to see that, again, please do let us know. You can hit us up on any of our social media sites. Ian mentioned one or two of them there, being YouTube and Instagram, but you can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. All of those, just search for the podcast Recorded Gaming Community. If you really want to email them to us, you can do that as well by sending it to crawlygamingcommunity at gmail.com. There's one final place that you can uh, you can show your work. We even have a customization and painting section on our Discord. Links for that will be on all of our social media sites. And that's you. that section is probably the most popular section on our Discord as well, other than maybe the memes chat. Yeah, without a doubt. <laughs> I post in there a hell of a There's a, a fair few painters that are absolutely amazing Um and a great inspiration. Again, that's another thing. If you are struggling for motivation to do this stuff or inspiration, definitely check out the painting section on the Discord. It is such an inspirational thing. But that's it. We're going to close this section down for this week, guys. I hope you enjoyed this section. And now something in desperate need of customization for our newly customized Woodland Lodge. Over to you, Paul. It's day 157 in the CGC News Shed. Since Shedmate Brian the Duck joined Shedmate Paul last week, things have been going brilliantly up until tonight. The big CGC brothers have treated the Shedmates to a takeaway Chinese and a favourite TV box set, unbeknownst to the Shedmates the trickery behind their so-called treat. Look, 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 calm down! I'm, I'm sure it was a mistake. I'm sure they're meant to specify vegetarian spring rolls and not the ones that come with plum sauce. I know you had three before we noticed. No, it doesn't make you a cannibal. Well. Yes, I know the box set is the same. Supplying us with 23 episodes of 24 is not on. You need to calm down. Breathe. Look, it's something they do to amuse themselves, especially after the language you used when they popped in during the week. It was pretty foul, wasn't it, huh? Sorry, not the time or place. Pop over in the corner and try to calm yourself down a bit. I'll see if I can get the last episode of 24 from somewhere. We can watch that after I've read the news, okay? Good. Breathe. Wow, I think we all need a breather after that. Right, this week's news. You okay now? Good. Revealed last month, the upcoming release is mostly faithful remake of the 1989 board game HeroQuest, keeping its influential dungeon-crawling gameplay largely untouched. The new edition will introduce alternate female sculpts for all the previously all-male characters, and revise some elements of its lore tied to original co-publisher games workshops, Warhammer Universe. The new HeroQuest initially launched via a crowdfunding campaign on publisher Hasbro's own platform HasLab, quickly passing its $1 million target. At the time, the game was announced as exclusively available in the USA and Canada, with no word on an international release. Now, Hasbro has announced that HeroQuest will see a UK retail release next autumn alongside its arrival with backers of the crowdfunding campaign. It will be exclusive to online retailer Zavi, which will add its pre-orders to the ongoing campaign to unlock the stretch goals. Zavi is an e-commerce entertainment retail store formed from the now-defunct Zavi Entertainment retail chain in the UK and Ireland, which were originally Virgin Megastores. Zavi was formed in September 2007 when management buyout team purchased the company from Sir Richard Branson's Virgin Group. There is a catch. Only the more expensive Mythic tier edition of HeroQuest will be released in the UK, priced at $149.99. Core game alongside additional exclusive miniatures, rebooted original HeroQuest expansions, Return of the Witchlord and Keller's Keep, and other content unlocked during the campaign. Board Game Awards have taken a little delay this year, understandably, but the Origin Awards have finally been announced. 
The Origin Awards are an annual set of awards bestowed upon tabletop titles by the Academy of Adventure Gaming Arts and Design as part of the US Origins Game Fair Convention, typically held each year in June by the Game Manufacturers Association, Gamma. The jury-voted awards have been running since 1975, with past recipients including big-name games such as Root, Gloomhaven, Magic the Gathering, Catan, Dead of Winter, Codenames and Scythe. This year's nominations were originally announced in March, with notable nominees including RPG's Pathfinder 2nd Edition, Starcrossed and Alien the RPG, before being disrupted by the delay of Origins Game Fair as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. The Origins Awards nominations announced in March were later replaced by a fresh shortlist announced in late September. To make the cut for the 2020 awards, games have had to have seen a release window between November 2018 and November 2019, meaning that any releases from this year were not included. The winners were then selected by a 40-strong jury. The big Origins Award winner this year was Tiny Towns, which was named both Game of the Year and Best Board Game. The easy-to-learn games means players placing cubes in specific arrangements in a small 4x4 grid to construct buildings, earning them points based on their layout and the buildings they include. Tiny Towns bested 2018's winner of the lauded Kennerspiel de Jars German Expert Game of the Year, Quacks of Quindlebergs in the Game of the Year category. Yeah, we love a bit of quacks, don't we? You get the irony of that, don't you? But not my foul language joke. Weird. Where were we? Oh, as well as Call to Adventure, Dungeonology, The Expedition, and My First Castle Panic. However, Quacks of Quindleburg did take home the Best Family Game Award. Other Best Board Game nominees included Parks, Ishtar, Gardens of Babylon, the latest game from Spiel de Jar winning King Domino creator Bruno Cathala, Ecos, The First Continent, and Shobu. Point Salad was awarded Best Card Game, ahead of the likes of the acclaimed Air, Land and Sea, Lock Up, A Role Player Tale, and latest Epic Spell Wars of the Battle Wizards entry, Annihilageddon. 2020's Origin Award for Best Role Playing Game saw strong competition from games including Alien, the Role Playing Game, named Best Game at the RPG Focused Any Awards earlier this year, alongside the latest edition of seminal RPG Cyberpunk Red, the second edition of Fantasy RPG Pathfinder, and Alex Roberts' applauded Jenga powered game of hidden feeling Starcrossed. Coming out on top though was Teens in Space, a sci fi spin off of rules light RPG Kids on Bikes. The Best Miniatures Game category equally raised some eyebrows with its inclusion of both miniatures war games such as Gaslands Refueled and Malifaux 3rd Edition and board games featuring miniatures including Power Rangers, Heroes of the Grid and Warhammer Age of Sigmar spin-off Warcry which claimed the top prize. Inducted into the Academy of Adventure Gaming Arts and Design Hall of Fame were designers Wolfgang Kramer and Reinhold Wittig, along with influential roll-and-write game Yahtzee, the website BoardGameGeek, and Quacks of Quidlinburg, the mind and wavelength designer Wolfgang Varsh, was named as 2020's Rising Star. We've seen many a version of Munchkin over the years, and many a product of Critical Role. It's the first opportunity for Munchkin Critical Role. Yeah, I know Star Munchkin is still on our shelf of shame, isn't it? But we need three people to play it, and those two never stay around long enough. Especially with that language. Announced earlier this year, the op confirmed the license of the two, with Munchkin co-branded Steve Jackson Games and the needs no introduction, but we will anyway, critical role of D&D and acting fame. This will give us a new version of the Munchkin 172 card game. We now have a glimpse of the front cover, all the characters are there, plus a tiny frumpkin on the side. The artwork has been completed by character artist Elena Munoz and artist Tyler Hosteller, who the op reports created 160 original art pieces to bring Wildermount to life. The characters' cards are also double-sided featuring two portraits, which lets players change the mood as preferred. Of the gameplay, the op said, once you've selected your favourite protagonist, grab your goggles of night vision, dagger of denial and pocket bacon, team up with your favourite guest star and battle familiar foes such as gloomstalkers, 
Captain Avantika and Oban. Use drive and roll cards to power your way through. It's going to be for three to six players for ages 10 and over with a US price of $24.99. So we'd anticipate a cost of around 20 to 25 pounds for when it reaches our shores. As for when, it's referred to February, so not long to wait. And we're heading on over to Kickstarter now. And the first game on our list this week is Velocity Vanguard. Released on the 20th of October for 1-4 to four players and takes about 45 to 180 minutes to complete. You are the Vanguard, the first. Reach into the unknown with fledgling spacefaring technology and hopefully return to accolades. As commander, your goal is to successfully complete your missions and discover what lies beyond Seoul. Velocity Vanguard is a physics-based space board game with fast and kinetic gameplay. Yes, it does sound similar to a game I'm trying to create. Thanks for that. Can I carry on? Story-driven missions are designed for one to four players as individual commanders or teams. You'll encounter asteroids, defense stations, powerful automated enemies, and many other surprises. Choose your faction, crew, ships, and modules, then embark. Through a unique physics-based mechanic, players control where their ship will be by manipulating their vector token with a navigation action. Each ship has unique handling characteristics that make this an exciting part of gameplay. Depending on the mission and mode, solo, co-op or competitive, each player controls a faction with one to three ships per faction for a set number of rounds or until a particular objective is completed. Within a round, each player takes turns activating ships by placing crew members in navigation, module or specialist crew action slots. After crews have been assigned, the player will move their ship on the tactical board the number of hexes and direction indicated by their vector token on the vector board. Before, during or after movement, players trigger crewed actions by spending energy and then exhausting their crew. Your ships will be well equipped to explore, defend or attack with modules including weapons, defense systems, scanners, support and specialist crews. In the core game, each of the three ship classes possesses unique strengths of their creator factions and further customized by the player during mission setup. There are 18 modules and 12 specialist crews available to choose from in the core game. Each ship class can hold a limited number of modules and crew. Module and crew selection depends on the mission and could include drafting, budget, free-for-all or recommended loadouts. Whether you enjoy solo, co-op or competitive story-driven missions, skirmish or building your own scenarios, Velocity Vanguard has almost endless replayability. Annapurna is out on the 20th of October for two to four players. You get to climb the most dangerous mountain in the world. In Annapurna, you will cooperate or compete with your fellow climbers to achieve balance on this treacherous, ever-changing mountain. As you explore your mountainside made of cards, you will encounter rock slides, yetis and danger at every turn. Will you try to lay out a path or will you plunge into the unknown? Whatever your plan, the ultimate goal to leave no trace behind looms at the peak. The game becomes richer the more you play and it gets as competitive as your group wants it to be or help each other out in full cooperative mode. Each climb takes about 20 minutes once you learn the game with multiple climbs in each play session. And the third game this week is Endless Winter. It's out on the 27th of October for 1-4 to four players and takes 50-90 to 90 minutes. Endless Winter Paleo-Americans is the latest title from designer Stan Kodonsky, Rurik, Lockup and Dice Hospital fame. Developed by Johnny Pack from Coloma, Merchants Cove and Sierra West fame and illustrated by the one and only The Miko, famous for his North Sea and West Kingdom trilogy artwork and published by Fantasia Games. That's right, we love The Miko's artwork, plus... They've created miniatures from his artwork for the game. How exciting is that? Endless Winter, Paleo-Americans, takes place in North America around 10,000 BCE. Players guide the development of their tribes across several generations, from nomadic hunter-gatherers to prosperous tribal societies. Over the course of the game, tribes migrate and settle new lands, establish cultural traditions, hunt Paleolithic 
megafauna and build everlasting megalithic structures. Endless Winter is a Euro-style game that combines worker placement and deck building in an innovative way. Each round, players send their tribe members to various action spaces and pay for the actions by playing cards and spending resources. Tribe cards grant additional labour, while culture cards provide a variety of unique effects. As an alternative, cards can be saved for an end-of-round eclipse phase, where they are simultaneously revealed to determine the new player order and trigger various bonus actions. The game features a novel blend of two interwoven systems and mechanisms such as multi-use cards, area influence, tile placement and set collection. Plus, there are many viable paths to victory. After four brisk rounds, scores are tallied and the tribe with the most points wins. Three expansions are set to be released within the campaign, offering various extra cards, modules and mechanisms to the core game. Expect various pledge levels when the game hits Kickstarter on the 27th of October. Oh, gaming events. I know you're excited. Me too. Calm down. Mid-Sussex Meeples are all set for this Saturday, the 17th of October. Yep, down here in Burgess Hill for a whole day of game running from 9.45 until 6pm at Cypress Hall, Cypress Road, Burgess Hill, RH158DX. Entry is £5 per person with tea, coffee and biscuits included. I've also had another batch of face shields come in and they'll be available for purchase at £2.50 each. Seeing as it's a Saturday event, the car park is being charged. But if you pop on to midsussexmeeples.co.uk, there's a map that tells you how to get to the rear end of the car park behind the hall, and it's slightly cheaper there than the front end of the car park. If you can, pop over to our socials and drop me a line if you are able to make it. We still have a 36 max threshold in the hall, so it's good to know some numbers beforehand. Oh, you're coming, are you? And cosplaying. What more do you want? You get to see Brian in his cosplay outfit. Weekly groups are still running in Crawley and Lewis. Wednesdays is our very own Crawley Gaming Club and Pound Hill Gamers with Gaming at the Comic Shop. Running between 6 and 10 at night at the Comic Shop, 42 High Street, Crawley. RH10 1BW at £3 per head with refreshments available on site. And Thursdays is over in Lewis with Trinity Gaming Cafe and Lewis Board Games Club. Meeting between 7.30 and 11.30 at Trinity Church, Arbinger Place, Lewis. BN7 2QA. Again, they're at £3 per head with the refreshments available on site. I look forward to seeing some of you on Saturday. That's all for this week from Brian and myself. We bid you a fond farewell. Thanks very much for that, Paul. Great to hear from you, as always. We are going to close it down for this week, guys. Thank you very much for joining us. It has been a pleasure to talk to you about customising games. Um, Thank you again. It's a subject that both me and Jason have been very passionate about. Time for us to wrap up, I think. You got anything more to add, Jason? I don't think I have this week, no. Um, Other than I've probably got the motivation now to go and continue customising stuff. So that is your expansion episode of the podcast, courtesy of... Ian's idea to call it an expansion anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks very much for joining us, guys. We will see you next week for another tabletop gaming-related podcast. Until then, though, thank you very much for joining us. Game safe, and we'll see you next week. Have a lovely week, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye.